Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Mexico, and in particular Playa del Carmen from the Santos Playa Car Beach Resort, and taking your calls at 888-887-3837, that's 888-88-PETER, and if you can't get through on the phones, you know the drill. You email me to peter at petergreenberg.com with your name, phone number, question or problem, we'll solve it right here on the air. Playa del Carmen has been a little bit of a secret for a while. Uh, to most of them, they know Cancun, they might have heard of Mayacoba or Riviera Maya, but Playa del Carmen has always been sort of like a little under the radar, and I happen to think it's intentional that way, because it's such a cool place, and so many expats have found it. One of them is my next guest. Her name is Lisa Wright, and she actually uh, writes for an amazingly titled website called PlayaDelCarmen.com. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Now, you're an expat. You came from, uh, from Canada. Yes, I did. How many years ago? Close to 10 years. And what brought you down here? Uh, Originally, I was working for a Canadian tour operator that needed what they call destination managers, so they send someone down to run the operations. Little did they know that once you got down here, you said, I'm not going back. That's pretty much what happened. And was it it wasn't just Playa del Carmen, was it? It was mostly Cancun at that time? I was taking care of Playa del Carmen and Cancun and the Riviera Maya. 
What distinguishes Playa del Carmen for you? It's a very tropical destination, um, beautiful beaches, a lot of natural wonders like the Mayan ruins, the cenotes. There's just so much beyond the actual city that people can do. And I've been diving the cenotes. I come down here all the time. And the whole history of the cenotes in terms of the early rituals, I mean, the rumors, of course, being that there's skulls and bones down there, too, because they used to do sacrifice. I'm sure if you dive deep enough, you'll find a few. Oh, I'm, I'm, I was told. I was told. But it's amazing. And, and by the way, if you're going to come down here and dive the cenotes, please do it with not just a buddy, but with somebody who knows where they're going, because you can get really easily lost down there. You can. There's thousands of miles of cenotes in the area, so you definitely have to do it with a certified guide. So... In the old days, when, well, 10 years ago, you probably could have done it. Uh, you could have climbed Chichen Itza. Now they won't let you climb it, right? Now they won't let you climb it, no. You can see it from a distance. If you really want to climb a Mayan ruin, you need to go to Coba. Yeah, but then you can clap your hands and hear the noise. Yes, you can. That's the cool thing. It is. We were down here. We, we did a one-hour special with President Calderon, and he was my tour guide for a week. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, and he and I did climb it. Okay. All 91 steps. See, it's all about your connections. And, yeah, but here's the problem. It wasn't climbing up that was the problem. It was coming down. You know why? The Mayans had tiny feet. They did. Oh, my God. Those... You, have, you have to sit on your bum and scoot down like a toddler. That's the trick. Just about. Otherwise, you can get hurt. Mm-hmm. And you know that because you did it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest surprise for people who come down here to, see, to visit you, for example, first-timers that they're not expecting to see? I think they're surprised by how safe it is. Because what they see on the news and what they read in the newspapers mostly talks about the border towns. So they come down sort of expecting to have to hide or not talk to the locals, and it's not at all like that. You know, it's amazing to me how geographically ignorant my fellow Americans are. They think that Ciudad Juarez is a place where people vacation. They they think, you know, Nuevo Laredo is a place you go hang at the pool. (laughs) I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's get a map. You know, what people don't realize about Mexico, it's 4,000, almost 4,000 miles of coastline. And you got a lot of it right here. Yes. So that's the first thing is how safe it is, right? Yeah. You know what the surprise was for me? The other ignorant thing that most Americans think. They think of of Mexico as tacos, sombreros, you know, uh, enchiladas. They don't realize it's world-class cuisine. It is. It absolutely is. Oh, my God. I mean, I I felt I, I was not, I had not, this is going to sound silly, but think about this. I didn't really have great Mexican food until I came to Mexico. I didn't really, I was having bad Mexican food outside the, you know, outside of Mexico. I came down, you know what I discovered? The chocolate clams. You know about the chocolate clams? No. Oh, you mean I told you something? Oh, wow. Check it out. Unbelievable. Where is that? All over Mexico. Check chocolate it out. Chocolate clams. Yes. Unreal. Unreal. Had it in Mexico City. Amazing. Okay. Okay. It's not chocolate, by the I way. I will put it on my to-do list. They're brown clams, but they're unbelievable. Okay. Okay. See? Aren't you glad you stopped by to talk Absolutely, to them? Absolutely, yes. All right. <laughs> so if someone's coming down here for the first time, where would you send them? That's not in the brochure. That's not in the guidebook. Or that is in the guidebook, but you'd send them at a different time. I'll give you an example. If somebody's going to Cairo and they're going to go see the pyramids, you don't go at noon. You go at four in the morning. And you get out there before the sun rises, and that you have it all to yourself, and you have that moment. Same thing with the Great Wall in China. Same thing if it was open with Chichen Itza, right? Mm-hmm. So where would you send people that they want to go to because they've got to check it off their list? And then where would you send them that's already on your list that they don't know about? It really depends what sort of travelers they are. Yeah. Um, if they're adults only, it's really nice to stay at an adults only resort just to get away from the screaming children around the pool. There's a whole different dynamic that happens when it's only grown-ups that you don't realize until you're actually sitting there and 
You know, that's, Silence? That is a, it's such an important question for people to ask, especially if you're booking an all-inclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, ask, is it adult only or is the decibel level out of control because of screaming <laughs> children, right? Yes. It's, and by the way, if you have screaming children, please go to a screaming children resort. Agreed. There'll be other places, you know, the people that be understanding of you there, mm-hmm. right? Okay, that's one question to ask. What, what's another one? If they want to be close to town or not. Because as you said, Playa del Carmen's the main town in the Riviera Maya. So they could book, quote unquote, Playa del Carmen, but they're actually about 40 minutes away from us. So exactly. are they the type of person that wants to head out and explore and check out different restaurants and leave the resort to do ah, things? Ah, you just mentioned the, the, you mentioned the real tough words, leave the resort. Yeah. So many of my fellow Americans never leave the resort. They don't explore. You have to. Yeah. You have to. There's so much going on outside the actual cocoon that it's not worth coming to Mexico if you're just going to stay at the hotel. It's amazing to me because I actually was with a few of my friends about a year ago and they didn't want to leave the resort. And after the fifth day, I said, you're leaving the resort. And I took them into town, right? And they were, they were screaming all the way in because it was a 35-minute ride. And they got there and went, oh, my God. And they were back the next two days. They couldn't help themselves, mm-hmm. right? They were, because it's a gallery scene. You know, the, a, a great gallery scene, right? Which you don't see at the resorts. No. I mean, you see tchotchkes at the resorts. Yes. Right? You don't get to try the real tacos at the resort, for the most part. What's a real taco to you? That's a hard one. Um, I'm a vegetarian, so I sort of cheat on the tacos. So you do tuna tacos. <laughs> I do. <You> do. <laughs> I'm a pescatarian, so I'm right there with you. Okay. I do mushroom tacos. I do... Now we're talking. Stuffed pepper tacos. I do a whole different variety. But they're um, here. You can get them. They are here, absolutely. We're talking with Lisa Wright from Playa del Carmen.com. What's your biggest food surprise here? The fact that you can get full-on American food. We have Starbucks. We have McDonald's. We have... Um, but you only do that in an emergency. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But if people are really weary about coming down and not being able to find things like home, we do yeah. have that option. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. My next guest, an old buddy of mine. In fact, the last time I saw you, we were in Mexico together, the reporter for the USA Today, Rudy Garcia. How are you, Rudy? Pretty good, Peter. It, uh, good. I think the last time we were at the Ziva, weren't we in Cancun? We were in Cancun, yeah, at, yeah, the, at the Hyatt Ziva. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. But Playa del Carmen is a special place for you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been here 16 years, and the changes have been extraordinary in those 16 years. Yeah, but, you know, I'm going I'm to give you a, a sort of a devil's advocate question here. There's change, meaning a lot of development, in an irresponsible way, and then there's change in terms of responsible development. I would tend to think Playa del Carmen has done a pretty good job. Yeah, they've done an excellent job. As a matter of fact, I think they've done a better job than Cancun has done uh, in, in a lot of ways. They've managed to keep most of the hotel kind of stuff on the beach and north of the city. And the quaintness of, of Playa del Carmen, the, uh, uh, the fun part, the number of expats, uh, this and kind let's of talk, thing. And let's talk about that because there's a large expat community here. Oh, super. And, uh, and it's not just like uh, English, 
English language expats. They, you, you see Italians and... and Wait a minute, Greeks. they let the Italians in? I'm kidding, oh, yeah, I'm kidding. Sure, yeah. Remember, yeah. <laughs> Remember the guy that went to the airport and he says, oh, yeah, I need a quarter to, uh, to, uh, to finish paying my fare. And he goes up to somebody and says, I need a quarter to get to Italy. I say, Here's a dollar, take three more. Take three more with you. I got it. <laughs> Thank you for alienating half my audience, Rudy. Um, <laughs> no, that's all right. My Listen. Garcia. The, well, yeah, yeah, but the, the man who raised me was my uncle from Abruzzia. Okay. So, uh, Angelo all right, all right. you're off the hook. You're off the hook. <laughs> okay. But we're talking about an international expat community. Yeah, extraordinary. And that's reflected also in the gastronomy uh, here in Playa del Carmen because you'll find restaurants offering really excellent fare from just about almost any country in the world that you can think of. You know, I the, the best Chinese meal I ever had was in Amman, Jordan. The best Italian food I ever had was in Lucerne, Switzerland. I mean, we're, it's globalization at work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So where, where's the best ethnic food in, in Playa del Carmen? Well, I'll tell you what. You have two restaurants that are competing with each other. They're competing in terms of their name. You know the artist Frida Kahlo, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Grand Velas Hotel, one of their specialty restaurants is called Frida and does excellent job. They just opened a restaurant here in town called Frida Kahlo, <laughs> <laughs> which also does an excellent job. Now, they have great ethnic food, great Mexican food. You can get in either one of those, those two restaurants. The good thing about the one at the Grand Velas is that it's open to the public. Even though it's an all-inclusive uh, rate hotel, you call and make reservations. And they'll take them. And they'll take them, and you can go to their restaurant. Well, you know, that, that brings up the, the question again about all-inclusives. I mean, how all-inclusive? See, I have an issue with all-inclusives. Can I give you my so issue? So do I. Okay. Here's my issue. It's the dreaded asterisk. Okay? They'll say, everything's all-inclusive, asterisk. Now, to me, the asterisk is the travel industry's acknowledgement they're about to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all-inclusive <laughs> except for the following 87 items. Right. Right? <laughs> and for people trying to budget their vacation or their time or who don't know any better— they, get, they feel they're getting hosed, or sometimes they do get hosed. Now, there's, there, there's one all-inclusive I know about in, in Cancun called uh, LeBlanc. Yeah. Now, that's a different approach. Um, they, I mean, I couldn't find an asterisk. And I mean, even your motorized water sports are included. And now, they're getting $500 a night for the room. But guess what? They're like 95% occupancy, and nobody's complaining. And they always will, because also Palace Resorts, have set the mark and set the bar pretty high in terms of nighttime entertainment. I'll give you a case in point. Just this past weekend, they had the, the, the dinner shows with Alphaville and Starship, two of the old iconic rock groups, right, in concert. And they do that every month. They've had REO Speedwagon. They've had Michael Bolton. They've had all kinds of people. And they bring them in, and they keep their hotels filled because they give them good entertainment. But Playa del Carmen is a different sensibility. Playa del Carmen to me is not about nighttime shows. Playa del Carmen to me is just about a much more refined experience. Yeah, to some degree, but there's also uh, there's also uh, good fun at night. If you go down, if you walk along Fifth Avenue, almost the entire length of it, and nowadays even north of Constituyentes, which is what they call New Fifth Avenue, uh, now. You'll find an awful lot. You'll find entertainment at night. Uh, I'll give you a case in point. But on a smaller scale. Oh, yeah, you're not talking scale. like filling 5,000 seats. No. No. That's no, what, and, you're that's not, what and you're not talking about Coco Bongo filling 50, 1,500 uh, a night. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. 
I ask this question for the, you're, you know, you've been living here 16 years, so you've seen all the changes. What's the change you don't like? It has, uh, in some respects, it has become a mini Miami or mini Miami beach. Well, they said that about Cancun for years. Yeah. But I'm talking about Playa del Carmen. Well, Playa del Carmen is starting because what's happened is that uh, uh, some of the big hotels are getting almost too big. Uh, that becomes a little bit uh, more difficult. You're seeing it's almost like a wall uh, of hotels going down uh, part of the way. But uh, one of the things that impressed me about the entire Mexican Caribbean uh, and the Rivera Maya and Playa del Carmen in particular is that it has managed to retain uh, a good deal of the quaintness uh, that it had uh, 46 years ago before Cancun, uh, for the first spade was dug in Cancun. And the question then becomes, how do they do that? Well, the people have an awful lot of pride in their town and in their surroundings. You have to remember there, there's a difference. Cancun was absolutely nothing. It was basically unpopulated, and uh, they had like four families uh, in, in a beachfront, nothing in the islands. The Riviera Maya, Playa del Carmen existed, Puerto Morelos existed, all of these as small, quaint villages, little fishing little villages. Little villages, yeah. Right. Those people there had pride in their, in, their, in their surroundings, and they didn't want it disturbed. They didn't want it fouled up. Cancun didn't have that history behind it uh, to, to, give, uh, to instill pride in anyone who was living there because they just got there. You know, so basically, what you were talking about were a bunch of guys uh, who got land given to them by the by the Mexican government because they were loyal parties to the to the uh, uh, party in, in in power at the time, and so they were they were given land and so on. They had no commitment to it. In Playa and in all of the surroundings in Rivera Maya, the people had a commitment to their land to maintain and to maintain, and they fought against anything that would damage that uh, perception. See, for me, I, and I'm not trying to dump on, on Cancun because I like Cancun, but Cancun to me is not a community, it's a development, mm-hmm. right? Playa del Carmen is a community. Absolutely. And you'll see it all over. You'll see it from, this, from the little small towns uh, that, still, uh, uh, that still follow a lot of, of, the, of the Mayan traditions and so on, because, and they still speak Mayan. <laughs> Fifteen minutes away from, uh, from Playa del Carmen, you, you run across these, these little communities. And you can find them. Mm-hmm. Where do you like to hang out? Where do you like to go eat that's not in the brochure or the guidebook? Where do you like to go? Uh... There are a couple of, well, uh, since I live in Cancun, I mainly go there. But uh, when I come down here, uh, there is a place on Constituyentes uh, that's called Aguachiles. They have some really great uh, 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 cured uh, fish, cured in brine and, and, and vinegar and so on. That's out of this world. And they give you great portions, large portions. Well, you look uh, like a guy who likes large portions. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. And I also, and the other place I like to go to is because it's the only place that you can get genuine Cuban food in the entire region, and it's La Bodeguita del Medio, which is a branch of the uh, of the bar restaurant in Havana that uh, Ernest Hemingway made famous with its mojitos. And it's on the corner of 34th and 5th Avenue. Now that's the one I want to know about. That's, oh yeah, oh, yeah. you get. Oh, I want to tell you. Something. It, it, it get great, great Cuban food, and the mojitos are excellent. So basically, bring get a designated driver. 
Yeah, get a designated driver, and if you like to dance, they always they have a, a live music, live Cuban music there. You would answer? Uh, no, not, I, I was up until a couple <laughs> of years ago. <laughs> but now you dance in your sleep. I got right, it. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, what's the takeaway here for people who have never come down here before? What's the first thing you tell them? I tell them what uh, somebody else had mentioned here a while ago. Leave the resort. Don't stay inside your hotel. Don't stay inside your, your, your all-inclusive. Get out and meet the people. The Mexican people are some of the warmest people in the world in terms of, in terms of their willingness to, to, uh, to be with you and, and, and to help you and, and to have fun with you. And then also, don't restrict yourself. Open yourself up to new tastes and new experiences. And, and if you do that, You'll really get out of get out of this place like wanting to come back three times a year. You know, it, it's so funny because when you land at the airport in Cancun, it's like you, it's a convention of taxi drivers. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their signs up. It's like you're assaulted almost, mm-hmm. right? And I remember this had nothing to do with Mexico, but it, but it does make the point. I was going down to uh, to Buenos Aires a couple of years ago, and all the flights get in early in the morning. And you already know by by experience that none of the hotel rooms will be ready at that time anyway. And I was going down with five or six friends of mine. Um, on a business trip for journalists, and, and the hotel said, oh, we'll send limos out to the airport for you. I said, why? The rooms won't be ready when we get there anyway. I have a much better idea. Talk to your bellman, your maids, find out who has a car, have them come out to the airport and get us, and do not take us back to the hotel. Take us back to the neighborhoods where they live, and we'll have breakfast with them on <laughs> us, and let's, take, let's hang out with them until 2 o'clock in the afternoon when the rooms will be ready. Mm-hmm. Riding along in my automobile my baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go You know, when we talk about any resort, any development, uh, we want to talk also about responsible tourism, about sustainable tourism, about... How do you deal with the resources, which are by definition limited? And, and then how do you involve your guests in a way that they, first of all, have a great time, but also understand the process so they're not, even with the best of intentions, abusing it? And joining me now is uh, Alejandro Gonzalez, who's, what's your exact title? Uh, I work in the Santos Caracol. Yep. He's the airman hotel of this resort. And this is a special resort because it's unique. Uh, we have an uh, environmental relation. Uh, in this hotel, you can uh, enjoy and live your, the culture and the natural of this part of the world. It's amazing. It's, it's unique. So what are you doing differently there? It's owned by the same company. So what are you doing differently at Caracol than anywhere else? First, the place. Okay, In this hotel, okay, we have a, a nice mangrove a nice jungle, and six cenotes with crystal clear. And you can uh, dive them? Yeah, you can swim in. How, have, how, a, how, how deep are those cenotes? No, it's not too deep because we are very near to the ocean. Ah. So it's about the 10 feet, so... Easy. 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 But this is the clear water, and we have a sparse, like a river. You can swim in behind the mangrove, the roof. You see many turtles, and you enjoy the fishes. So in this You're hotel, swimming with the turtles? Yes, with the turtles. It's no uh, are, the, are the turtles happy to see you? Uh, it's, they, they, they 
see you and say we are friends no <laughs> we respect the respect so in this hotel we try to the people enjoy the natural so we made a lot of different eco activities and mayan activities we have an amazing shows three different show mayans in the night in the hotel we have uh, original mayan ruins so this hotel is uh, a very great place for the people like the culture I like the natural. So it's not that they're just going to come there and hang at the pool because the pool might be just a natural pool. And, and, and they, but then you have to teach them about the history, don't you? Yeah. What about the mythology of the Mayans? Are you, do, you tell, do, you, do you tell your visitors about that too? About the what? The mythology, all the history. The history. Yes, we, we, we have, we have um, like to the people know more than Mayans. So we have special activities like a, like a, a bike tour. You go to the bike tour and see the Mayans. The Mayans are known for their bicycles. No. I'm but joking. When, when you go in the bike, you, you imagine when you're uh, uh, walking around the jungle and in, uh, come a ride to the, man, to the pyramids, and we try to explain how the Mayans live, what is a part of the, of the Mayan release. And in the night, you can see the, the shows and you see like, I try to imagine the Mayan leaf. And in the week, we invite to the communities, Mayans, come to the hotel. See, that's the important thing. And, okay. and, and enjoy with the people. They show the mercancy, but you can speak with them and learn more about the Mayans. They really Mayans live now. You know, it's just in this story. We're not Mayans in, in Yucatan now. So in this hotel, you can enjoy all about the culture. And... and how long have you been doing this? Quantos años is that? In my No, 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 no. Quantos años trabaja? In the Santos Caracol? Four years. Okay. When they first opened, they knew they had something special. They yeah. knew they had the cenotes. They knew they had the river and the mangroves. Now they had to manage them, right? They had to make sure that they didn't destroy them, right? There's always that trade-off between development and abuse. How do you do that? How do you make sure you, you protect them? All the time, uh, the human have a problem because the, the growing of the, of the, the cities destroy the, the natural. This is obviously, okay? So the idea, okay, is when you build something or, or, or develop something, you try to preserve the more important parts. So, for example, this hotel, we have a, a very pristine part of the jungle, an amazing mangrove, okay? Of course, we have a, a room between the mangrove and this part was destroyed, okay? But we try to respect, okay? We have the, the underground rivers, okay? The water is clean, so we have a special plan of treatment for the water. So we develop, yes, but we try to take care a little the, the principal part of this place. Because if you don't, you won't have it. Yes. You won't have it. Mm-hmm. Alejandro Gonzalez, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And thank you for joining us. I, have to, I, I, I said earlier in the show, I, 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 I dove a number of the cenotes, some of the deeper ones. Yeah. That is quite an experience. Yeah, it's it is, and, and the water is so much cooler than I thought it would be. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own? 
bobbing about between my legs. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. My next guest does the kind of work that has a very special place in my heart. My sister does the same kind of work back in Boston, and that is working to rescue animals that need help. Right. And her name is uh, Sonia Vargas, and That's the name right. of her association is Mi, uh, Mi Amigo de la Calle. That's right. Which is Friend of the Street. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we go on this show, we, we try to talk to people who do the work that you do, mm-hmm. because in many cases, in the Turks and Caicos, for example, they call them the, uh, the pot cakes. Yeah. These are the abandoned dogs there. They make it not only an opportunity for you to volunteer when you visit, mm-hmm. like if I came here, I could volunteer yeah. and work with you, but also, of course, you know what happens when you volunteer. Yeah. You fall in love with the dog, <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're taking the dog, right? Yeah. It happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens. Yeah. How many dogs are you dealing with here? I mean, how bad is, is the situation? Well, actually, many dogs. But in this case, we are not just rescuing them. We are giving them the opportunity to have a better life with uh, education, with awareness of the people. The problems are not the dogs. The, the problem is the people. Of course. And in communities that are far away from here, the people doesn't have access to information or to know how the balance coexists with animals is so important. So we give them that and we make some campaigns about sterilization, awareness, education. We make a very complete campaign in those kind of communities. Now, it's an association. It's so an association. How many people are involved in it? The hotels are involved in it? It depends because uh, most are volunteers. And yes. uh, as you said, uh, some foreigners come and help and then they go. So by now we are eight people, but sometimes we are between... Be 20 and 25 going to the places where we have to do the campaigns. Sure. But, but for someone like myself who, let's say, is coming as a visitor, somebody yeah. on vacation, mm-hmm. I could get involved and come out and volunteer with you, yes, right? Yes, of course. You yes. can. We, we actually have a web page. We have What's a the website? What social, is it? What's Mi Amigo it called? De la Calle, a social website. Mi Amigo de la Calle dot com? Dot com, that's okay. right. And it's amazing. We are actually doing something very interesting. It's a program that we're going to do with the dogs um, some of them are good to train to have therapies with kids, yes, with addicted dogs. persons, yeah. with um, handicapped persons. So this is huge. This is going to be a program that is going to help us to do something great. Well, I'm going to give you a suggestion about something you can do. You ready? Here yeah. it comes. Yeah. There's a hotel in Colorado. It's a Ritz-Carlton hotel called the Ritz-Carlton Bachelor Gulch. Yeah. And... One day, one of the employees, I think, brought in a golden retriever, mm-hmm. and they called him Bachelor, right? Yes. And it got to the point where anybody who checked in the hotel, if they wanted to you know, borrow the dog for the night, yeah. Bachelor became their dog, right? It got out of control. Everybody, this, the busiest dog in show business, because yeah. everybody wanted to borrow the dog. Mm-hmm. In Aspen, Colorado, if you're visiting Aspen, the Humane Society will loan you a dog for the day. Now, you know exactly why they're doing that, because wow. at the end of the day... You're falling in love with the dog, and yes. you rescue the dog. 
You should do that right here in Playa del Carmen. Anybody who comes down here gets the dog for their vacation. Yeah. And you, you have a 50% chance yeah, that dog the, is leaving Mexico. The thing is that we need more organization and we yeah. need to be supported also by the government and for some people that is... But you is like my good. idea. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, Just I double checking, it. Sonia. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. We so need if, to organize better. So if I were to come volunteer with you, what would, what would be my chores? What would be my duties? What would I do? Well, if you want to go to the, to the next campaign, you go to a very... Uh, far away community and then you help us uh, you can drive the truck or you can just put the injection to the to the dog so you, you vaccinate the dogs them. right yeah we vaccine them and we make sure that the dog is healthy why because this makes an impact also in the wildlife the jaguars go and sometimes attack the dogs if the dog is not healthy the jaguar is not, not it's not going to be healthy and we don't want this to make a, a worst impact there's a not cycle just in the community but in the wildlife so this is important. And for the people who visit as, 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 as tourists, mm-hmm. how many have actually adopted these dogs? How many of them? How many of the you tourists know, have adopted the dogs? Well, the sad thing is that the people that is not from Mexico have adopted more than the Mexicans here. I so you have so. to educate the Mexicans here to do it. We have to educate yeah. them. Yeah. We have to educate ourselves. I'm Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, at least somebody's doing it, though. That's good. Yeah. Thank God, uh, the people, this is the only place I come from, Mexico City. This is the only place where I've seen more job and work about the volunteers and the associations gathering effort for that. So I'm really happy to live here. Do you have any dogs? Hmm? Do you have dogs? Yeah, I do have, I have four now. Two of them are rescued, so I'm going to keep them until I get a home for them. And the other two are rescued too, but are my family. And they stay with you? Yeah. But I, but if I wanted to come down and, and rescue one of those dogs, you would help me do that. Yeah, you have my card. You, uh, have you bet card. I have your card. <laughs> and, and give me the website again. Yeah, it's uh, miamigodelacalle.com or in Facebook. They can find us as Mi Amigo de la Calle. Or go to our website, petergreenberg.com. We'll list it there as well. Hello? Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. I love coming to Playa del Carmen because you always bump into expats who are proudly living here. They're the rebels. They're the people who said, I'm not going back home. Do you know how many expats there are, American expats there are in the world? Over 3.2 million who, for whatever reasons, visionary, familial, love, business, perhaps escaping a particular criminal charge. I mean, for whatever reason, they're not coming back. And my next guest more or less fits that bill. Not as a criminal, of course, but as somebody who came down here 10 years ago and decided, I'm not going back. Rebecca Page. Not 10 years. I've only been here three and a half. Oh, three and a half. It feels like 10 sometimes. Does it? Yes. Okay, but three and a half years ago, what were you doing? Three and a half years ago, I was employed by a large insurance company in the United States, um, and I worked there for almost 20 years. In Connecticut? Yes. Of course, Hartford, Connecticut being... the insurance capital of the world. Of course. And then you came down here for what? Came here in 2006 on vacation. And why did did you have any idea what you were getting into? No idea, actually. Um, A friend of mine had a timeshare offering, and um, we were going to go to St. Thomas, and that didn't work out. And he said, hey, why don't we try out this place called... Playa del Carmen in Mexico, and I thought, ugh, I've never really wanted to go to Cancun, but 
all right, we'll check it out. And we went to the resort, stayed there, went into Playa del Carmen that same night that we flew and in. And that sealed the deal. And that sealed the deal. We never, I never went back to the resort. And really? Stayed, yeah, we stayed in Playa del Carmen. It was vacation every six months after that. Meanwhile, back in Hartford, they're going, where's Rebecca? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they got sick of me coming back and saying, oh, you need to go to Playa del Carmen. Oh, Mexico, Playa. So, and I'm still here. Okay, that's one thing to say you came here sort of accidentally. It's another thing to say you fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. But then you got to make it work. Absolutely. And a lot of people have this uh, romantic notion in their head that they're going to come did. to play. You I did. did, but I also had a five-year plan to get here. I saved a lot of money to, to save, not a lot of money, but I saved for a long period of time to come here. And I had an idea in my head of how I was going to make it work. I also had an escape plan, if you will. So I'm a bit of a planner. But there's a lot of people. Now, you know, the worst five letter word in the world is plans. You know that. Yeah, I know. Because they they don't always work out the way you expect them to. Don't always work out. And especially living in Mexico. So Mexico has taught me not to plan. But your plan was I'm going to save up enough money, get the heck out of Hartford, Mm -hmm. come down to Mm -hmm. to Playa del Carmen, Mm -hmm. and do what? Anything I could get my hands on. So you were willing to do anything as long as you could stay here. My original goal was to teach English. Through a Did you speak Spanish? Of, um, I spoke what I thought was enough Spanish. Yeah, you but found, really you found it quite a way. Yeah, 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 I had a long way to go. So Donde esta el baño, yeah, por exactly. favor? Yeah, 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 I had to translate my grocery list before I went to the grocery store and things like that. So I actually found my way into the to the job that I am now. I'm, um, If you don't mind me mentioning, I'm an editor for a local English language newspaper here. Well, called, that's why you're on the show. Right, called the Playa Times. I was about to say that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I'm doing that now. And so basically, you figured out the best excuse in the world to be here. You're covering it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, See, what, that's my secret. What, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like the mini Peter Greenberg, but I don't get to travel very far outside of Playa. So. But you don't have to travel very far to <laughs> be a mini true. Peter Greenberg. That's true. Okay. <laughs> but what are you actually writing about? Our newspaper writes about a lot of different things. For we, the expat community. For both the expats, we're trying to market not only to the expats, but to the tourists, and not only to the tourists, but to the expats. So we have to find a nice balance of stories that are interesting to people who live here, as well as people who may be picking up our newspaper at the bus station and, and trying to figure out what, what's going on in the area and what they should do. When you came down here, I mean, you made a conscious decision as a solo traveler, as a, right? Mm, as, as, I was with my ex at the time, but yes. Oh. But so we, he, we had no children or okay, anything like that. So you came down mm-hmm. with your partner, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And then, where's he today? He's still here. Ah. He's still here in Playa. Yeah, and no. We, do we still talk to each other? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a great relationship, great cool. friendship. So yeah, cool. no, he's he's down here too. All right, because the, the question, of course, being the role model is, you know, it was a bold decision to do it mm-hmm. for both of you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then, how long were you together before you weren't? Oh, geez, Peter, I didn't know we were going to get this personal. Yeah. Uh, we lived here for about two years. Okay, so you got acclimated. So you were already basically under control by the time the relationship... I've never been under control. (laughs) We were together for many years before that, but two years here But you know what I'm saying. For people who want to come down here, it's an adjustment to the culture. Absolutely. It's an adjustment to the the food, adjustment to the weather. Absolutely. When you make a plan like I did, and as you said, planning is not something that so splitting wasn't part of that plan absolutely not and you things come up in a move and moving as a as a person as an immigrant into a new country it's very different than what you the romantic notion you have in your head it can be much more challenging when you actually get here all right so when we come back we're going to talk about those challenges and how you overcame them we have clearance clarence roger roger what's our vector victor now our radio clearance over that's clarence over over To pick up where we last left off, what were your challenges when you got here? The language, first and foremost, trying to navigate in a system that didn't work the way you were 
not that you expected it to work a particular way, but it just wasn't your system. Yeah, exactly. Things like as simple as even asking to get internet installed in your home when you don't speak the language, simple tasks become very challenging. But now you have it. Yeah. Now I'm much better. Yes. I don't only know how to ask for the, where the bathroom is. But also, were you type A back in Hartford? Yes, you were. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you had to adjust to that. Cause oh, you betcha. Type A doesn't work very no, well down here. Mm-mm, no. And all my friends keep telling me that. So I'm much, much better now. I'm less type A. I'm type A minus now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always said people don't change their lifestyle when they change their location, but you almost had to. Yeah, absolutely. My lifestyle is completely different here than it was in the United States. I don't have a TV. I don't have a car. I do have internet, which makes me feel luxurious. I also have um, hot water in my apartment, which is nice down here. Not always something you get when you rent a place. And I would suspect you are not addicted to material things. Absolutely not. No, and quite frankly, you don't make the money you made in the United States if you have the option to or ability to work here. Right. So, no, you have to adjust your lifestyle. And that's why you come here. That's why people move here. At least in my case, I didn't want to recreate what I had in the U.S. I wanted something new and different. You downsized. Absolutely. Did yeah. you sell everything you owned? Everything. Everything. Really? Yeah. Everything. Now, where are you? I mean, you have to tell me an exact address here, but where exactly are you living in Playa? So for those of uh, you who know Playa del Carmen or the Yucatan Peninsula, we have the highway that runs from Cancun down through Playa and south. Um, I live uh, most of Playa in terms of the tourism is on the, the eastern side of the highway. I live just west of the highway. So within walking distance still of the beaches, but probably 15 minutes walk from the beach. Now, when your friends come down to visit you, mm-hmm. because inevitably once they find out you're here, they're coming, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How do you disabuse them of their expectations or their stereotypes? I tell them to get over it. I just What are their stereotypes? Well, their stere- some of their stereotypes is that it won't be as modern as it is, which is kind of funny. They have, I think, like They you still said, think of the dusty sombrero. Yeah, yeah, they still have that. And they say, oh, I, I don't want ice in my water. No, I can't have any ice. Well, don't worry about it. You can have ice in your drinks. The water's filtered. Um, they're afraid to eat street food. I eat street food all the time. I survived. I actually gained a lot of weight eating street food. But um, I think dispelling those those stereotypes that we all maybe had or preconceived notions of Mexico, what it's really like. And in your three and a half years down here, what's been your biggest surprise? Actually, as, a, as an American. As an American, um, how proud sometimes I am of actually my people. Because, you know, you talk a lot about, oh, Americans never leave the resort, et cetera, et cetera. But I've met a lot of Americans who are quite adventurous and leaving the resorts and getting out and traveling They're becoming other a little more adventurous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, of course, there's still the people sticking around and staying on the resorts. But well, it's like the old joke of the couple that comes back from their holiday and somebody says to them, where'd you go on your vacation? Oh, we went to Aruba. Where's that? I don't know. We flew. Right. You know, so they don't really have a, a, either a right. geographic or a cultural sense of place. Right. But you also have, you don't just have the Americans staying on resorts. You have a lot of other people. In fact, you have a large Mexican national population who travel from other areas of Mexico and vacation in Playa del Carmen. So, yes, the majority of the travelers here who are coming here are Americans and Canadians. But you have a, a significant population from, from Monterrey, from, from Mexico right. City, that are traveling here on vacation. And they come and they stay on the resorts. And they stay there as well. So. All right. So my inevitable question has to be, how's your Spanish? Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's okay. It's getting there. I'm not going to speak to you in Spanish. There's too much pressure now. No, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to. But the point is, you have I know le- all the bad words really well. Well, I learned those in New York. Mm-hmm, yeah. I didn't have to come down here. Yeah. No, I can carry on a conversation. Yeah. I still get lost every now and again. But in my office, I work with all Mexicans, and so they force me to, to speak Spanish with they them. They laugh at you. They do. They make okay. fun of me all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What's the one thing you'd like to see better in Playa del Carmen, or what's the one thing you don't ever want to change? Wow. Um, 
The one thing I'd like to see improve in Playa, I would say environmental sustainability. I really want to see the the government and the planners um, to have a real plan on how to improve what's happening environmentally because there are significant impacts to the environment in the way Playa del Carmen is growing. Sprawl like you can't imagine happening west of the highway, bringing in workers to work in all these resorts. You, of course, have to build houses for them, and there's a lot of sprawl. Well, when you think about an economy that is so dependent Mm -hmm. on travel and tourism, they need sustainable tourism or it's going to destroy them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, mean that's, that's obvious, at least to, to most of us. But yeah. sometimes, at least from the perspective of people living here, we don't always see that sustainable tourism or sustainable growth. We see a lot of things that are negatively impacting the environment here. But are you making any progress? I think so. Yes, um, we have a, a big controversy going on down in Akumal right now. With we have a place in Akumal Bay where people snorkel with turtles, right. and there's a big been a big um, kind of uh, disagreement or a battle, if you will, for who has the rights to access that beach area. And um, the government has finally stepped in to kind of regulate Good. how many tours are going in there and because the impact of the turtles. I just hope that it's not it's not too little too late to help this region. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.